welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast, and I'm your host, Brendan O'Neill. I'm a Canadian expat living in Phuket, Thailand, and Fruiting Body is a medicinal mushroom company. Our intentions of this podcast is to connect with people living on the island and share their stories with you. This is episode five with Hugo Hatton. Hugo is a South African yacht captain living on the island of Phuket. Uh, he's actually a good friend of ours as well. Um, he's the founder of Hugo Hut and Hugo Hub, which are kind of like digital nomad uh, type of relaxation places uh, on Bangtao Beach on the island of Phuket. In this episode, we're going to be discussing with Hugo the ins and outs of being a yacht captain. Um, Hugo's got about 220 thousand nautical miles under his belt so he's got some great stories from the sea and we're going to hear all about that as well hugo's super fucking nervous so let's tell him that and keep that on the camera <laughs> and um i don't know Actually, why there's, so there's, chill out. yeah there's no one in here <laughs> but um yeah so we're just going to kind of start and, and understand uh hugo and and what he's been doing and his story of how he got to phuket so i guess <clears> first we'll jump in and just ask so First, Hugo, thanks for coming. And thanks, can you just tell us a little bit about like, um, more, let's focus first on, on the background of sailing and, and how you got into that initially and, and again, how that all came together. Okay, well, I uh, started sailing at a very young age with my dad. Um, initially, I was actually flying. Um, at the age of 13, I f uh, flew an introductory flight um, in a Cessna one, uh, C-150. So I did you know, over 30, 40 hours in, in, in Cessnas and I actually flew four different planes and I was going to be a pilot, but my, my parents actually pushed me in that direction, but I, it was boring. That was boring the initial, well. the initial yeah, plan yeah. was getting my, my brother was the sailor, he's the older one, okay. he was the sailor, but I went with, you know, on the sailing trips and so on, it started at 11 actually, and uh, yeah, then, um, you know, I sort of moved away from that, I went to London right after high school, my, yeah. my dad was very... Very disappointed with me. Uh oh. So so you, <laughs> so you I moved to London and I started carrying furniture around. <laughs> okay. I moved furniture. I just needed a break here, you know, and uh, and I got away. That was because you 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 didn't want to get into the sailing. And you kind of wanted. I, to I I just needed to get away. I felt uh, you know I felt pressured and, and I was probably a bit spoiled as well. Okay. But you know to go that way, I think was a great move because it was tough in London. I lived in London there for a year and a half, and it was tough. Lost and, a lot of weight moving furniture and, and, and you know, move, working in offices, moving their stuff around. And and, uh, and yeah. what age was that at when you, 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 so you left South Africa. So initially, you're from which city? 18, in South, 18 South Africa? and 19. And then uh, when I was halfway to say 19 and a half, yeah. <laughs> I went back to South Africa and, um, you know, so tried to live life there. And which city was that in? And uh, in, in, you're talking about London? In, in South Africa. Oh, and South Africa is Paul, Paul oh, Wellington, Wellington okay. and Paul. Where, yeah. where is that kind of uh, location-wise? It's uh, 70 kilometers uh, northeast of Cape Town. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. Okay. It's beautiful. It's beautiful valley. Um, um, very rugby-focused town. Okay. Extreme, extremely rugby crazy. And is, is this something popular in that town or that area for flying and sailing? Is this kind of what no, no, a lot no. of people I, go into? I, I used to fly at uh, uh, Saldana in, in um, it's on the, on the west coast. It's about 140 kilometers north of Cape Town on the west coast. There's a little town called Langabon in Saldana. It's a, it's a big lagoon that comes in from the uh, Atlantic Ocean. 
Okay. And uh, it's beautiful, but it was the fastest growing town in South Africa at that time. You know, it's, uh, it's like a, it's a holiday town. Okay. So people go with many holiday homes. My dad had a beach house there. And um, yeah, it was great. But it was, uh, it's, this is many years ago. Well, <clears throat> I actually just realized how old I am. So, so <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy. Let's have a uh, let's have a drink of coffee and yeah. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> cheers to that. <laughs> Good coffee. <Yeah. laughs> so you were um, initially you were getting into flying, and was that kind of your your plan from a young age? Like that was your your passion. Your, I was your into idea? helicopters. I loved helicopters. You know, I just these things. I was I had so many things that I was interested in, and my dad was just trying to sort of. Um, I guess he was trying to tickle my imagination in, in a way that it's, you know, get you interested in different things, give him the the, the uh, opportunities, you know, as any father would. Yeah. I, I had a great dad. So, uh, I mean, my dad's still alive. He's a great dad. He's How old is amazing. he now? Um, 1954. So he's what? I was like 60 67. Yeah. It's not too, not too old. No, no, no. no not too old. Good. No, he's great. He's a big guy though. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so you no, got, he, he was pushing you in, in uh, kind of into this this flying stuff. <coughs> and then we'll, we'll try to piece that part of the story together. So the transition from flying and then going to London, at which point, when does the sailing come into the picture or, or getting into boats, let's say? Well, it's actually, I had a friend, Nuan, Nuan Carstens. He was a great friend of mine. He, he crossed the Atlantic and then he said to me, hey, man, you should try this. And um, I had a few failed relationships with girls. And, okay. and I also, I was, I was so lost in life, really, to be honest. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And this is around 20 or when, when did you 20, kind of feel 20, this? 22, 23. Okay. Yeah. And okay. then I went to the water and I sailed to Italy as well. I sailed to St. Vincent. I sailed to the Bahamas, Brazil, all of them from Cape Town, you know, different crossings, crossing the Atlantic Ocean. And did you have proper training, like, to get into that? Or at yeah, this point, yeah. I'm assuming was, you're not a captain at this point. No, no, no. Uh, so on the one trip we did, uh, I had one of the captains was an instructor. Yep. So we did the whole course on the trip. So, you know, by the time I got my paperwork to be a captain, I actually had something like 40,000 miles. And okay. then I left South Africa indefinitely. I moved to Miami. Well, not Miami, Fort Lauderdale, rather. Yeah. Okay. And is that... For someone at that age, you're saying like what, 22, 23 ish? Yeah. Is, yeah. is that for, for someone to have 40,000 miles, is that kind of above and beyond expectations or way, could that be way above, yeah. way above and beyond? And, is, and that was strict, strictly from sailing to South Africa up into Europe. And, and what, what yeah, was yeah. the route you would take there? How are you going? Uh, so from Cape Town, you use the currents. Um, you wouldn't just go, when you get north, when you get to the equator, you, you, in the southern hemisphere, you have anti-clockwise uh, currents. So, you know, the ocean goes to the equator and then runs west. Okay. Um, and so you, you would use these currents. So you'd go across, uh, say you'd go across from, say, Namibia, you go along the coast of Cape, uh, South Africa and then go well, south. Maybe we could, Talise, you want to pull that up? Pull up the, we can pull up the map because I think this would be good just to kind of connect that part of the story. We can just show show the listeners, all of our 10 viewers, um, <laughs> how um, so to just, we, just to visualize it a bit more. Maybe you could probably just pull up, I don't know, which map. Like, Google uh, Maps? E well, I don't, maybe the captain knows better than me what map to pull up. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, you can uh, – Google Maps is probably the best, man. Just yeah. Google Maps and we can yeah, kind of yeah. – 
We can uh, put that over. Okay, so that's don't show our location. I don't want people showing up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're gonna have to go gonna have way to over west. West. All right, let's start. So we're gonna start sailing virtually. You can do the overlay as well. Do it realistic. Uh, do the uh, satellite. Oh yeah, where's in the bottom right corner? No. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we were talking about your first sailing experience from Cape Town and going up to Italy and. Um, Maybe, well, you can zoom in later. Maybe zoom in a little bit um, so we can kind of get an idea of that route. And, and uh, let's talk about that journey. Yeah, a bit. so from uh, you'll go up along the coast, stay about 100 miles off the coast there in, in Africa from Cape Town. Yep. And then just in the middle of Namibia or even more north, you'll turn and cross the Atlantic. Uh, see, there's St. Helena, Ascension, and Tristan de Cunha. So that's where you're turning towards that? Yeah, we usually pass very close to there. And that's a, it's just a rock that comes out of the ocean. Actually, Napoleon Bonaparte's grave is there. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. History, there we go. And that, that uh, people live there or no? Yeah. Really? It's a, it's a little island and it's... All right. So did you stop? Yeah, of course, a few times, man. What's, what's going on there? <laughs> Incest and apples. Incest and apples. <laughs> I can imagine. Like, how many? There's like 20. I should not say. That's fine. <laughs> I don't think anyone's watching it from there. But, but yeah. Who, which country owns that? That's British. Oh, it's UK, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, So. Um, and what, what about when, when you're at those places, like on this, this trip, like what are you eating? You've, you've brought food, you're fishing. How, how does that work? Yeah, of course you bring food, but we fish. And South Africa has amazing ocean wildlife. I mean, we've one time left Cape Town where there was so much fish. We, 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 we were fishing for less than an hour. And if we had too many, we threw back. And what are you usually catching like along the way? Oof. Tuna, um, wahoo, tuna, dorado, which yeah. is mahi-mahi or dolphin fish. Um, uh, we've had a shark on the line a few times, which is not good. Um, but why, yeah. why is that? Why is it not good? <clears throat> well, we don't eat shark, first okay. of all. And I don't like to cut the line. I mean, sometimes you have to. And I'm just going to be honest about that. We have cut the line before. You know, you don't want to be sitting with a two-meter shark on deck. Yeah. You no. know, and I'm standing there in my underpants. <laughs> <laughs> is that just your preference? You don't eat it, or is it more ethical? Or it's just preference as well. I've eaten shark before. I have by accident, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not something I will. I mean, it's there's much better fish out there. Okay. Yeah. So just the taste itself, or something like that. Yeah, it's no shark's good. Oh. I shouldn't say that. I should not say that. Just cut that out, please. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Videographer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Shark's good, good, but it's, yeah. uh, it's definitely not something I'll, I'll eat. No. Is it restricted it's in state. South Africa? Yeah. yeah. It's, okay, it's so it's an illegal. endangered species. Yeah. Oh, okay, I got you. It's declared a uh, taboo. That, that, that is the reason why. Okay, so we'll go back on this trip. Now, th this is one of this would have been your first major trips like as a yeah. sailor going from Cape Town so we up to, to Italy. Yeah. We went too close to Fortaleza. And where is You know that? where Fortaleza is, Mr. Brazil. Fortaleza. You went, so you're going almost all the way to South America. You cross, yeah. You go all the way that way to use the currents and then cross again over. Ah, okay. And this is purely because you're sailing. Obviously, there's no motor. Currents, mate. Winds and currents. You use the winds and currents. It's and the best way to do it. Do you, do you have any, like, the winds, they never, the currents and winds never die. They're going to get you there, right? And then we went up 
you know, you, you try and make a curve there straight north from where you're, from where the uh, pointer is there, the mouse. Okay. So go north there and then go across slowly, go to Madeira. We stopped at Madeira, actually. Oh, Madeira in Portugal. Yeah, we had, we had an, an intense storm. Yeah, because the, the waves are... Madeira's down here. Funchal, down to the right bottom. There. Uh, yeah, ah, okay. to the right there, Funchal. That's the city. Madeira. And this is uh, owned by, this is uh, Portugal. It's Portuguese, yeah. Portuguese. Okay, and then you're, yeah, you're coming yeah. through there and then you're entering through like the street. We actually stopped there for a few days, yeah. And then uh, we went through the uh, Straits of Gibraltar, yeah. And, and we had a, we had a, it was intense midnights that we had going through there. I mean, the, the middle of the night we have these, these fishing nets. I mean, they have these fishing nets that the, the Spanish and the Portuguese use that yeah. costs millions of dollars, millions of dollars that have cameras in them. And, you know, yeah. they, they have tracking devices. They can, they know when they take the nets in, but you have these boats coming at you and they don't speak a word of English on the radio and they're just yelling and, and you got the flashing lights. <laughs> okay, we turn port and then you turn starboard and you don't know which way to go. <laughs> it's just intense. <laughs> and he yells at you when you turn port, then you turn starboard and he yells you're, at you when you turn starboard. You're just trying to turn figure around. <laughs> are, are they, they're military or? No, no, no. They're the fishing companies. There's millions of dollars, you know. Oh, okay. These aren't, they don't joke around like the, the, the guys here in Southeast Asia. Or just and, and here they're, they're fishing right off this coast by Funchal. Yeah. Oh, well, further down. Is, we were closer to the Straits of Gibraltar, yeah. Okay. Further up, sorry. Yeah, further, further up. Further up to, yeah, Straits of Gibraltar there. Coming in there, there's just a, was insane amount of fishing boats. We had a, we had a blue whale swim right under the boat coming through there. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the, the Mediterranean Ocean keeps flowing in and it will forever f keep flowing in because it actually evaporates faster than it can fall. Oh, okay. So the, the water keeps going in there forever. That is interesting. And, and so this area, so you're entering in and now you're, you're entering the Mediterranean at this point? Yeah, yeah. At, at any point, do you get stopped by coast guards? Do you have to show passports? Is this ever an issue? Uh Mate, it's it's some of these countries are intense. Italy especially was intense. Your jets flying over you all the time. Because I mean, it's this. You can imagine how the these uh, these these refugees bother these countries. You know. Yeah, I they mean, don't they've, know if, they've, if you're they've smuggling. Got, they've got proper security in in these coasts. I mean, I say they do, but I've seen some videos online yeah. of them <laughs> sneaking in on the beach while people are tanning. Yeah, I, I we mean, stopped they, in Almeria. I called um, it Elmira last time, Almeria, mm. down there in uh, Spain. Uh, and then we went down to Algiers. And <clears throat> as as we were coming up, I'm trying to remember the the winds. There were very hectic winds coming down. Um, what's that, Trapani? There was this, in, in Sicily, I stopped in a place called, not Alm Almeria, it was... Uh, but it was on this coast, if you zoom in to the east side there, the west side rather. Uh, go to the right there. Mas Mas Marsala, yeah, exactly there. That's where we stopped and they locked us up for like half an hour. Here? Yeah. They locked uh, you no, up? No, 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 to the right down Sicily. Oh, right down Sicily, okay. Yeah, there, down there. Oh, okay. Palermo, Trapani, if you zoom in. Right there, zoom in, Marsala. We stopped there and they, I've actually got photos of that. So... Why, why did they stop you? What was the reason? Well, first of all, we are, we had visas for then. 
Yeah. And they asked us to like tell them when these visas should be activated. But how do you tell people when you don't really know when you're going to arrive? So we were there, stopped there like 10 days before our uh, uh, Schengen visas were valid. You know, being South African, they, they call it the green mamba, the passport, it's shit. Okay. Well, it's wh- really shit. Why the green mamba? What does that mean? It's just a joke. Okay. It's a green color of passport. Okay. <laughs> and it just gets you in trouble, man. Okay. You can't okay. go to countries, you know, yeah. even if it doesn't matter who you are. You can't go. You can't travel like Europeans can. Guys, I'm gonna go downstairs. Uh, oh, you got delivery, your delivery. I think it's the road mic. Oh, okay. One sec. All right, we're still recording. Yeah. Still recording. Oh, okay. Keep talking. Yeah, it's probably just wide zoom. Yeah, yeah. All right, sweet. Um, okay, so you 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 got into Italy now. What was the purpose of the trip? Why were you sailing? Uh, it was a brand new boat from the factory, uh, yep. Robertson Kane, that was going to uh, Ancona. Okay. It's on the east coast of Italy, north. So you're manufacturing this stuff in South Africa? Yes, yes. And you have a boatyard, you have a manufacturer. How do you it's get the a, parts? How does that all work? It's a company called Robertson & they, they built these leopard, yacht, leopard yachts. Okay. Yeah, and, um, you know, they're, they're really good at what they do. They're probably, I think, second or third largest uh, catamaran producer in the world. I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm, you know, speaking on the correction, but, but yeah, they've, they've got beautiful yachts. There's many of them in Phuket. Leopard yachts, many. And what? But what you're bringing out there is a yacht or a sailboat? It's it's a sailboat, but it's a yacht. You know, a yacht is actually a sailboat. Okay, the but, word. There, but there's not like a let's say there's not an engine on it. Yeah, there is. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, it's it's very rare nowadays that you have a sailboat that doesn't have an engine. Okay. That's uh, then you're talking about uh, something really small, like only one or two people can get on there. So. When you when you take the journey that way, almost all the way over to South America, and, and because you are riding the currents and the winds, but the in terms of like the geography, the quickest trip would not just be following the coast all the way up, or what, why is that? Why would that not be true? Uh, current is king. Okay, that's just a saying and it's a fact. And it, would that mainly be because you'd be fighting the current along those coasts. Yeah, and much you would go... Burning through gas, going you'd slow. You'd be burning through gas. You'd have bad winds. I mean, it, it all depends on the wind as well, I'd say. I mean, if the current's only doing one knot or between one and two knots, you're you're still okay if the wind is good. Mm. But if it, it's it's a bigger gamble to actually go into a place where, where you don't know if the wind is good at all. You know, you just go with the current. It's best. Okay. It's, it's, it's always the best way. I mean, obviously, you're going to have your... Like here in Southeast Asia, you have all these islands. So you have currents and you have tides and it could, for six hours it could go that way and six hours it goes the other way. Or, or uh, you know, let's say four hours this way and then four hours of nothing and then four hours the other way. And when you're planning these trips and you're about to go out, um, uh, when, when you're planning those <laughs> trips, how, how much planning goes... Uh, into that before you set sail? Like, are, are you doing it for a couple of weeks or are you kind of just reading it, you know, 12 hours before and making decisions? I, you know, that's another thing is, um, you have to look at the, at the, there's so many things you look at. You look at the time of the year. Um, the nice thing about nowadays, is you have stuff online that you can just go and look at currents. You look at the six, you have two seasons in the ocean usually. It's the, you know, six, six months of this way, six months of that way. So you can use that as well. Um, but it's at the end of the day, you, you charge by the mile. So, you know, you charge by the mile or you charge by the day. 
mm. you find out what the boat's capabilities are, how fast it goes. Um, then obviously, is it seaworthy? You look at the safety systems on board. You look at the, all the all the uh, PFDs, the EPIRB, all those things if they're serviceable. Um, and if it's good to go, you go. But I mean, you fill the boat with, with fuel and take some extra fuel and make sure everything is good. You've got spares for the engines. You got ah, uh, it's a it's a million different things you have to look at. But also then the ability of your own crew. But over time now, I've done you know over two hundred thousand miles. So. You know, it's 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 a considerable amount, but it's I've gotten to this point where I don't really even rely on my crew anymore, but I try and get the best out of them in such a way that I, I wouldn't take anything personally, but I put, would put them in their place. Okay. If someone's being like sort of a, a, a metaphorical anchor on the boat, you know what I mean? Like yeah. breaking this whole thing. It's going slower because of your dirty <laughs> yeah, habits or stuff like you're that. You're sinking the ship literally. Yeah, yeah. Then I just kick him off. I don't talk a lot about it. Yeah. I literally will stop in a, in a marina and just say, listen, mate, pack your bags and get the fuck off the boat. Really? <laughs> this could be anywhere. They just have to figure, and they have to, at that point, they have to find their own way home? Definitely. I mean, especially when someone's been extremely difficult, mm. then it costs me money and time. And has that happened in the past? It has, it has. But it's, it's, it's mostly I've had great crew. Mostly I've had great crew. I mean, it's 95% of the time it's been excellent crew. Okay, so uh, could you, when was the time when this happened? Like maybe we can get into the details. What a bad, a bad crew. Yeah, a bad oh, crew, mate. I've had crew that was who lied to me beforehand. They would tell me that they, for instance, sailed around the world. Ah, okay. So I'll I'll be like, okay, that's great. This is a good one, you know, because if you spent a year sailing around the world, he knows the ins and outs, and then on the way, I would I would realize like the first two days that he doesn't even know how to pull up the main. You know, waste the main and it's it's like, you don't know what you're doing. Do you know what this line does? Do you know what that line does? Do you know what the main sheet is? You know, it's very small, <laughs> simple things that you figure it out. And then I realized, okay, this guy just lied his way onto my boat and he wants me to pay him, but he doesn't know what he's doing. So during the trip, I would find out that he was actually cleaning the toilets on a, on a, uh, okay. on a bigger yacht. <laughs> oh, he wasn't like he sailed. He didn't say he didn't say he wasn't cleaning the toilet. No, he didn't say that. He just I mean, but in detail he told me that he sailed a boat and this and that and he owns a sailboat. But he owns a sailboat that he bought from another country and he never saw it or was on it even. Oh, okay. A very small sailboat that he that he bought in some other country and, and it's it's I guess if this person ever looks at this, he would probably just he knows he knows exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how how do they have the balls or the confidence to kind of come to you and jump? You know, you're you're gonna set sail into the ocean and go on this epic journey or wherever you're taking the boat, but they have no idea what they're fuck what the fuck they're doing. How do yeah, they have yeah. the confidence to do that? Well, I I don't know. I guess people you know put a lot of trust in me. Then really, um, I'm also a kind person. I. I it's one of my downfalls is being too kind as well. But I, I don't like to talk a lot when it comes to sorting people out nowadays. No. Just say it like it is in the end and not talk about it and then not look over my shoulder again. But, um, yeah, other than this, it's always been great, man. It's, it's, it's been great. It's, um, the last trip I did was from – actually, the last trip I did I sailed – the last, last trip I did was from uh, – Maldives to Sri Lanka and back, and I've done that trip more than 20 times. Um, and for what purpose are you doing that trip? Are you just set, you're, you're bringing boats over <laughs> for sale? or 
So vessels also are like human beings. They 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 also have like a visa almost. Mm. You get a six month permit to have this vessel in this country. Now, for for you to be able to stay in the countries, you just have to leave, clear out, check in, in another country, and then clear out there and come back and check in again. Then you get another six months. No every country every country is different. Some countries will only give you three months. I don't know if there's a country that gives you a month, but some countries will only give you three months, six months, or a year. And they, in Thailand, for instance, now I think you can get a two-year permit to bring your boat in. For the boat. Yeah, because it's a different flag. Mm -hmm. So these boats that are in uh, Maldives are French flagged and they're working boats as well. You know, they, they changed the laws recently as well. Um, they didn't want any boats there, uh, any foreign flagged boats. But if they passed that law that no foreign flag boats were allowed to work. It would have brought you know so much trouble to these companies because there was many foreign flag boats there, many foreign investors that parked their boats there and gave work to the locals. There's a boat, use it. You take a part of the money, you take a percentage and, and just pay me this much for using my boat. But what is the, the business model behind that? What is the reason that you're sailing from Sri Lanka to Maldives? You're bringing people on a trip. No, no, no. I just, I literally just check the boat out from Maldives. Yep. Go to Sri Lanka, check so in, check out. Just for pleasure. No, just, no, no, no. I'm, I'm doing a visa run for the boat. Ah, okay, interesting. So I fly from here. I go to Maldives, and I've done this. You know, I, I don't know the number. It's like twenty four, twenty five times that I've checked into Sri Lanka. Actually, Maldives. Is the one country that I've checked in and out of the most, I think. So you're you're doing it for other people's boats. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now okay, now I understand. Okay. Yeah, they they call me and they, they say, listen, gotcha. I, I need a boat to be checked in and out. And that would be the quickest connection, Sri Lanka Maldives, at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. And how how um, now if it's in Sri Lanka, wouldn't it be quicker, kind of, just to go up to let's say uh, India or go almost? No, go. the boats are in Maldives. Gotcha. Okay. So I go from Maldives yeah. to Sri Lanka and back to Maldives. Easy. And then I fly back home again. Oh, okay. And, but and usually there's, there's four boats. So I do that eight times a year. Holy Every shit. six months. And you have your, you have a, a big crew. How many people are out there? No, with no, you? just me and one guy. Just you and one just guy. Just me and one guy, Maldivian. It's uh, usually they have the 620, 62 foot catamarans and the six, uh, 60 foot uh, Catalante, which is actually a 57 foot. But yeah. And how long would that typically take <clears throat> just. Let's just say from Maldives to Sri Lanka, how long is that trip? Depending on the year, on the time of the year. Yeah. Uh, it can take anything from 40 hours up to 90 hours, really. It depends on the time of the year. You have winds going this way. Yeah. Sometimes you have, you know, four days of bashing 30 knots in, you know, beating into the wind, which is just shit. <laughs> and with... with such a small crew, it's just you and one other, one other guy, and let's say you're doing 90 hours. How does that work with sleep? Um, just me and another guy, we do six hours, six hours. Okay. Yeah. And these guys, when you're, you're, you're finding them in, in Maldives, it's someone that you've worked with before? Because, I mean, for you to put the trust in someone to go to bed and say, all right, yeah, you sail for six hours. Oh, no, no, like I've, I've got a system that I use, actually. I do alarms. I would put my alarm on so I can actually go and check every hour what he's doing and can I trust him. I've, I've had some crazy experiences as well with other crew in the Maldives as well. People, you know, they would they would sit on the back deck and stare backwards <laughs> and look at the back of the boat. Just sit like this. Sails are up. Boats going that way. And 
they would just sit there and stare at the back and he would be eating the betel nut. It's funky. Yeah, we, this Asian thing that they eat. It's basically a ephedrine. Yeah, yeah. They eat that and, and, you know, then they get a little bit of high. Yeah. You know, nothing matters then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They're just staring off into space. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got like a, a, a giant tanker coming straight yeah, at exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. My point. We've actually had a, we've had a, in the middle of the night, we had a, a submarine one time. And at that time, it was the middle of the night. And I freaked out, you know, I was screaming because this thing went under the water with its lights on. But huge, not small. You know, it came out and it was an Indian submarine. It came right next to us out of the water. And then it went down into the water and I screamed at my one crew, uh, Shahim, he was a great guy. Shahim was a good crew. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was trippy seeing that, you know. Yeah, I mean, were they just kind of giving you a scare and coming to check you out, or? I don't know what they were doing at all, man. It's military, you know. It's, yeah. it's very, I mean, obviously leaving the lights on. They must have known that I'm just, they, they know everything. You know, The technology they have on these boats nowadays, you know, they can hear, they can hear anything on your boat. They can, And did know. they try to contact you, or? No, 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 not at all, no. Uh, the minute you start. Picking at the small things of the country, oh, the way they drive, for instance, I, the way they drive here in Thailand is insane. I mean, it's just insanity. You can't change those small things either because it does change the country. Anything that you change has a snowball effect. Yeah, and I, I used to live in China. So yeah. I lived there for six years. And honestly, after living there six years, like nothing can go wrong anywhere I live in the rest of the world. There's no, just, it's impossible. <laughs> There's no way. So I, 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 I'm fine. I've never had a problem here. The driving here is fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in China, what they used to do is like, have you, have you been to China before? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Shanghai. Like, Shanghai, okay. Well, I was in Shenzhen and like, when you're on the highway, the Chinese, like, if they miss an exit, they don't take the next exit. They back up on the highway. Oh, fuck yeah. I saw that. That's oh, insane. It's insane. And, the, and it's not that it's... It's like you don't you, you don't care because you're like well I'm in the fast lane and you're flying by them, yeah. but it's like they're in the slow lane or the shoulder backing up. Yeah, it's and I know what it is. It's because they got some sort of GPS talking to them. Yeah, like you've passed it. Anyways, we were talking about we uh, your <sighs> your journey in, into Italy. Now at this point, you get stopped by the the police and um, not all matter. Marsala, Marsala, yeah, Marsala. And it's all right. So we, 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 for us, we can see it, but we don't have to show it later. So yeah, no, no, well, what fine. happened? Uh, you're delivering a yacht. A yacht uh, from is, Robertson Cane Leopard, Leopard Yachts in Cape Town to Ancona, which is uh, actually close to, is it Venice? It's on the, in the coast there, on the east coast there. But yeah, it was a, it's a beautiful city. Um, lots of super yachts there. I mean, there's, there's a... There is a super yacht factory there, actually, but there's a big marina there where they rent out these yachts. So they bought this yacht and we just delivered it to them. And the size of this yacht, did you, it was 62 feet or is that no, 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 you were that's, mentioning? These are recent boats that I'm talking about this. I mean, the 62 feet, but uh, um, back then that was a small little boat, man. It was a 40 foot or something. I'm not even sure. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, 40 foot catamaran. So um, how was that like when you're sailing like... Um, 
through the uh, through well, it's the Atlantic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, some of the swells you must be going through are insane. Oh, With a forty foot boat, I mean, how yeah. how big are some of these swells getting upwards? Like three meter, four meter. Leaving Cape Town in May, for instance, was the biggest swell I ever had. It was over sixty foot swell. I mean, you have swell that's that's insane. Is it capping? Uh, depending on the wind, yeah. Depending <sighs> on the wind. Yeah, Cape Town can be a really unforgiving place in the ocean. It's definitely not for the faint-hearted. Um, it's a good place to train, to sail. Okay. I mean, I fell asleep when I was, what, 13 in the bow of my dad's boat, um, going from Cape Town to Langebon. Yeah. Like 140 kilometers. Uh, that's about, what, 80 miles or something. And I fell asleep in the bow. And... After that, I've never been seasick ever. I mean, I can't get seasick. It's pretty difficult to get Maybe seasick. you calibrated yourself that, yeah, e that yeah, day. Yeah, or I lost something in there, you know. The, that, the, <laughs> the equilibrium, it just completely spun out of whack. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, because um, I can't. If, uh, I don't get seasick, but I get seasick if I lose the horizon. Like if, if I can't, if, if I'm on, if I'm on the boat, I'm fine. This, the second, it, when it starts to dip under the horizon, yeah. then I get seasick. Oh man, if I was uh, in the Philippines. That's why I ended up here. I was stuck in the Philippines. I just realized my son's name is there, Aiden. Hey. <clears throat> um, A Y D I N. Yeah. Oh. But um, uh, so I was in the Philippines. That's why I ended up here in 2012. But I was stuck on this boat for six weeks there and waiting for an alternator for the engine. And there was some bad weather. And I slept on this boat that was just rocking for six weeks. And then eventually I had to go back to Manila because we were in the north in the Pangasinan province and uh, we had to go back, me and Leander, who's my best mate, um, we had to go back to Manila to collect some cash. And uh, we stayed in this hotel and, and Manila, you know, it's very much like China actually, but it's th just the way they, they operate. Um, there's this hotel called Soho Hotel and the room's in the middle of the building don't have any windows. So you're literally in a room that's inside the building, but there's no windows. You, you can't see outside. So at nighttime, you know, we, we started drinking a few beers. We had our cash. We're ready to go back. We're waiting for the bus. So it's, the bus is coming the next day. And then it was canceled. And then we had to wait another day. And we were drinking, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but here in the middle of the night, because we were on a boat for six weeks, everything the room, started. Moving. The room felt like it was moving. And uh, yeah, that was hilarious because in the middle of the night, I just wake up and everything is moving and um, Lee's passed out in the corner. <laughs> I'm just moving. I'm trying to look for the toilet and uh, maybe you should you, cut this out. But yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> I just it's leaned fun. against the wall, man. <laughs> yeah. So is it, how, how long will that feeling last after you've come off, <coughs> off, the, off the boat? Ah, uh, two days. Two days. Two, three days, yeah. Just trying to find your equal equilibrium there. I, I actually, what's funny is I, this is the longest I've been on land in like 13 years. Okay. Now with COVID. Mm. And um, uh, uh, now I went out on the boat the other day just for like four hours. Just went out for four hours and I came back to land and we were at Yugo Hub. We were just relaxing there and... You know, I had a, a like one beer and the whole planet was moving again. And I got up, I was like, why is this place shaking <laughs> like this? You can feel it. <laughs> Do you consider yourself then you're not a land lover? Absolutely not. No. 
you, you, maybe that's uh, you need to get back out to sea and oh yeah and you, you have, we were discussing before it's a good segue for that um, you're planning to sail out to Taiwan yeah is that still I, happening so no it's not it's that's why when you said it I was like okay ah okay okay <laughs> it's they Taiwan just had a huge uh, breakout of of the sea word first the sea word yeah of the sea word. Okay. They just had a breakout. They denied our oh, entries. Shit. We we had all the paperwork there, and and it was literally. I think if we were twenty four hours earlier, yeah, we would have been able to get our entries. So it someone they they bought a, a yacht from Phuket, and you're planning to sail it out there. Yeah, yeah. And so how how does that work? Like, what are the next steps? This person just cancels their order, or? Um, no, 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 no. The boat, there's definitely his boat. You can't just cancel something yeah. like that, you know. Because you've, now you've built it from scratch. So what has happened here is um, this is a vessel that a, a friend of mine has, has bought in um, another country and, and re refurbished everything on board and, and made it new. So um, we're supposed to deliver this to the new owner. It's a beautiful boat. Um, but yeah, so we were supposed to deliver this boat, take it there and, and then fly back and obviously do our quarantine there and quarantine in Bangkok and so on. But um, with COVID and so on, it's all cancelled. It's, it's Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I was confused when you were telling me uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago that you're, you're planning to take the yacht to Taiwan and I was wondering, how the hell do you get back? I mean, because if not, then you're quarantined, doing that's, quarantine that's there. All, that's all included in my costs. You know, I charge them for that. But, I mean, it's just, it's the time. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. talking, what, two, probably, what, two weeks to sail there, let's say, maybe? It's, what, uh, it's about 2,200 miles. Maybe even more. I mean, it's it's really, you're not going to sail there in a straight line. No. That's a mistake, uh, you know, I still make till this day. Um you, you sail there and, and, you know, using the winds and obviously trying to avoid obstacles and so on. But um, uh, that'll take about, yeah, you're, you're sort of right there. You're spot on 16, 17 days. Okay. And then, but then the quarantine would probably in Taiwan be two weeks and then another two weeks there. So you're talking it about. It was seven days. Oh, seven. Okay. So on the boat. Not yeah. too bad. And With then a tests. quarantine over here. Yeah. But pretty much you're away from your, your, your family about a month and a half. Just to get that, yeah. that boat Spot over. On. There. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for for that, when uh, um, how does that process work from the point in which someone decides they want to buy a yacht, they contact yourself, they contact a company, whatever, and can you kind of explain that process of how that works? Okay. So uh, when someone's interested in a boat, obviously there's many questions that go into that. Um, uh, when someone's buying. And they want it, they usually just go for it. You have people who take years. I've known I've I've known of people who've taken over a decade to decide on which boat to buy. I mean, because it's a serious buy, you're buying something that's sort of a money pit. Yeah. You're gonna be, <laughs> you're, you're not you're losing money on this. Though. I shouldn't say that out loud, you know, no, but it's I, my I, industry. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. I yeah. mean, if you can afford to buy, let's say, a million dollar yacht, you can and it's gonna cost you five percent a year to keep that thing afloat. Uh, if money's your concern, you shouldn't be buying a boat. No. Yeah. Definitely not. If you can sit here and burn burn a hundred dollar note, yeah, you can buy a boat. 
<laughs> but watch it burn, like literally. So if I burn that there, I still can't. Don't care. <laughs> don't, don't even blink. Then you can buy a boat, no problem. Okay, so uh, back to the, back to the process. Someone contacts you, whether it's it's uh, through your network or by referrals or even let's say a company website. How, can you walk us kind of through the initial contact right to to the point of um, prior to sailing and and in that process? Okay, so uh, it's uh, mate. There's so many dynamics to it. I mean, what what does a person want? Does he want luxury? Does he want? Uh, is it sail? Is it power? Um, and then obviously the, the small little, uh, you have these small little picky things that people want, like they want a barbecue on the back or they don't want wood on the deck or, uh, you know, they don't want, uh, they don't want leather, they don't want leather. The details you know, inside, of the, uh, of the yard itself. All the details have to be discussed and it's like, it's like, a, it's more than a home really. I mean, because there's a lot more detail to it, electronics. Um, you know, do you want a water maker on board? Do you yeah. want, um. Uh, uh, what size engines do you want? Then you're talking about power again. And how uh, th that must be quite difficult, especially, um, I would assume most of the people buying a boat, when you present those questions, they don't even know how to answer them. No. Right? And and they just, yeah, they, yeah. they kind of probably do a little bit of research, but you're probably coming back to them with a hundred questions they never even thought of. <coughs> I've, I've met... You know, I've, I was with another company recently and, and we were building the interior of a boat and it wasn't even, there wasn't even that much choices, but the way they handled it was pretty intense. <laughs> it was intense. It was a very, very like, a, you know, the carpet color. Yeah. And I went to the color of, of the interior. This is the company side or the, the buyer? The buyer. Okay. It wasn't really the buyer. It was the boat. We were just refurbishing the interior. And uh, it was, it became really tedious. It became intensely tedious. Very simple things was, you know, out there, made it, they made something very simple, very hard. And is that gonna cost them more money in terms of consultation hours or is there kind of a set fee when they jump into it up, up front? Because the, obviously uh, <clears throat> they jump on a phone call with you 50, 50 times, you're talking 50 hours of just discussions of details. How, do, how does the charging, the business model work behind that? The consulting is, is usually free. Okay. I mean, it's usually, I'm not gonna charge someone just to chat to them. Um, unless there's any services rendered, then it's fine. I'm not a lawyer, so, you know, um, and that's, uh, that was also not my part in the company. I was literally a, a, a carpenter. I was working, you know, cutting and, and measuring all day. Um, uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't easy dealing with them, but it was for me. It was sort of fun. I enjoyed it, uh, but it was. Uh, it was a, a, a tedious process. Like I said, yeah. They they wanted this color, and then when it eventually came, they were upset with this. But it was their choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, still a choice they made. Are they choosing like uh, Pantone colors to that level, like that that level of extent? Yeah, it trying. was it was like going yellow with gray. Yeah, <laughs> you I, can imagine what that looks like. And it's, then if okay. you're dealing with someone that's colorblind, I can't. <laughs> oh god, they're gonna watch this now and go, "Oh, you guys talking about us?" <laughs> Trust me, no, don't worry, nobody's watching this. <laughs> it's like we got, we got. This is uh, pretty much just family and friends right now, but. Um, so that, that process you go through, and then how long can it take for them to make a decision for, let's say, go to, we'll call it mass production or to production? That's oh, it. Yeah, there we go. Just uh, some coffee. <laughs> 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 Thanks. 
Thank you, sir. We can do whatever we want here. It's yeah. So they're yeah. they're going to um, sorry, yeah, yeah. So that that process, they they you do the detailing, they make the decisions, and then they sign off and they move ahead. Let's say on a drawing and, and, and the detail itself. Um, what what's the next step? Deposit. Okay, oh, pay me. <laughs> exactly. <man>. Pay me. <laughs> All right. I don't want to be doing work and then they go, oh, no, I don't like it anymore. See you later. Yeah. No. yeah no, no. Okay, so, you, that, so all that work bef prior to that point, it's that consultation, you're not charging anything. None whatsoever. And, and what percentage of buyers kind of fizzle out during that process? Would you say 60%? Oh, no, more. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten just fizzle out, which yeah. is normal in any business. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's yeah. very frustrating, but that's also why when you have confidence in your product, then you you just go for it. You don't really care. You don't care about those nine. Do you continue to go for those? Sorry, do you do you continue to go for those nine? Or with your experience now, can you pretty much tell from the beginning someone that's going to fizzle out before? I I don't feel like I should be chasing people at all. They should be chasing me. Sorry, I don't want to make it sound. But no, so I, no, that is that is the business. product there. That's you take it or you leave it. You know, um, and you're going to have a choice at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, for your time, and it speaks for itself. So I don't. I'm not going to run after people and try and sell yeah. something. We don't even we don't even advertise at the moment at all. Mm. None whatsoever. Um, they come to us, and we're we're over overrun with work at the moment, which so. is fine. It's probably coming from referrals. They see your work, they see the exactly. craftsmanship, yeah. and they go, "Yeah, it's simple." They see their friend's boat. Where the fuck did you get that? And yeah, yeah, Bob, Bob's your uncle. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also I'm moving into a new side of things, which I can't mention on here yet, but um, I'm going to be taking over a, a big yard, um, and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, this is something that I, I made a wish board a few years ago. What's your, what's your top wish? What's, what's the number one goal? Boat building and classic muscle. Uh, uh, cars. With, with your cars. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's becoming, it's just it's weird how the wish board works, man. It's just insane. And this is your, your. It's like in less than five years for that to come true. And and for this side, you're saying you you weren't a land lover, but I mean, with that type of let's say wishbowl and that work, it's yes. going to make you be a land lover uh, real quick. No, no, listen, right? I've, we've got boats in front of the yeah. beach bar right now. Yeah. I mean, this this well beach bar there, the the chill spot, <laughs> the Hugo Hugo Hub. Hugo Hub. Yeah. yeah. Quick, uh, quick plug to Hugo Hub. Don't worry, we'll talk <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But yeah, no, it's it's very chill. I mean, the the water the water is changing a bit now. It's becoming choppy, so we don't have a boat now. We just took it out the other day. But uh, I've got a little dinghy there in front with a thirty horsepower, which we just will give to people to go out fishing and surfing. And you know, I saw you guys ripping. You're doing some uh, wakeboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Magnus was on here the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. telling us about that. Yeah, yeah awesome, awesome. Yeah, Magnus had fun and he's good at it. He's really good at it. Yeah, he's getting really good. I was watching a couple of his videos and he goes up to the doing a backflip park. Yeah, I think he, <laughs> when he first started, I don't. Yeah, I think he was just like getting. He was explaining, getting off the ramp, and now he's like doing backflips, three sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's. A, it's funny how that the news spread. Hey, did you see uh, Magnus did a backflip off the, off the, the ramp? I I always have the, this this thought that when you're a professional athlete, you can do anything. Yeah. These guys, like, give Magnus a baseball bat and go put him in the park and he's going to hit dangers. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like it's, it's just that that ability when you're at that level. I'm a professional athlete, but <laughs> in the pub, in the pub, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots of curls. Um, so, yeah. um, so we were talking about the, the the process of the boat. So they come to you, and then when you're starting the production, are you starting from scratch? Are you getting involved in restoration? Like when someone's buying a yacht from you, how, how does that that work from the beginning? Of the the so, production itself, you see, at the moment, um, I just came from so many deliveries. I mean, I did I delivered over eighty yachts now in the past over a decade. Now it's COVID, mm. and I used to be a, a mass carpenter. I used to be a great carpenter. Now I'm I'm just like a f sort of there's nothing else to do. I can't I can't go back to the ocean, so I have to make my other skills work on land. You know, and um, one of them is having fun and the other one is doing carpentry. And, and you know, I, I can do technical work. I'm, a, I'm good with my hands. Um, so I have to try and make those things work. And it's not easy, but it's, 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 I've actually slid into this so easily. And I feel like this is my time to shine. It's also I'm at the right age, right? I'm the same age as you, 35. Yeah. So... I gotta make this work, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> ah, all right. We're still young. Thirty-five is the new fifteen. No, no, no. <laughs> it is, but it is really the, that's the time. I, I think overall, universally, thirty-five is the age to really well, go for it. It's like they say: thirty-five as you find thirty to forty, you find your way. Forty to fifty, you make your money, and then yeah. hopefully by fifty, you're retired. Right? And by in the twenties, they're a fucking blur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're good. We got five more years to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fine though. And if COVID takes us out, then all the better. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So so after this, we're gonna go have beers, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. For sure. Yeah. I'll join you guys. Co no, coffees, coffees, coffees. Coffees. Yeah, lots of coffees. There's no harm. <laughs> beer, it's okay. Yeah, yeah beer's fine. Yeah. But so, um. We could give an analogy behind that, and this could be the coffee talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way too comfortable. I'm almost scared. <laughs> that you know, as human evolution has, uh, uh, we we've evolved from, let's say, uh, water mammals and into you know walking bipedal human beings. Could that be applied to yourself now? In which you've went from you've went from the sea, and now you're kind of coming back to the land and evolving oh, well, into the yeah. the car the car the carpentry side. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, it's it's. I guess I like the way you say it because I'm I I, I was scared in the beginning yeah. when I realized COVID's happening. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? So I stayed off Facebook, for instance, while lockdown was last year in March. Um, I just stayed off Facebook and and these social media things because I realized that it, it's sort of social media is not always a good thing it's, it's bad to be on there the whole time you'll you'll, you'll even feel your um your happiness go down you know you, you feel less less happy being more on anxious. social yes yeah, more anxious looking yeah, at other people's photos yeah. all the time and i was that's why when i'm on social media i, I read things i look at happy things i don't look at other people's crap i, I yeah. rather you know no offense to everybody but yeah yeah, <laughs> all, all you clout chasers out there. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's you know people take photos of themselves all day. So I don't, I don't do that at all. I'm, I'm just maybe it's because I'm not that pretty, but uh, hey, <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> so, um, and and I think that's a good segue into into what came out of let's say 
COVID or the C word. We're always afraid of to say it because we don't know how YouTube's algorithm works. But anyways, they might I mean no, they're not gonna there's not gonna be the army showing up at the door, but yeah, they, yeah, they might not rank the video and we're chasing we're clout chasers by heart. But yeah, no yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. But um so from um from from COVID and and now you're coming back on land and getting involved in the carpentry, you decided to open up Hugo Hub, which was originally located up in Lyon. So could you Hugo Hut? Sorry, there. Hugo Hut. Now we're at Hugo Hub, but Hugo Hut. Uh, <laughs> could you just explain that a little bit more in detail? To maybe that's more for the listeners in Phuket of how that all came about and how you put that together. Okay, so um, me and my wife made a, a wish board both of us a few years ago. Was it 2016, 2017? We made a wishboard, both of us. And one of hers was a beautiful spot on the beach with with a, a sort of a, a vibrant setting where she can do events. Mm-hmm. Because she was an events manager and she worked for Luxury Events Phuket, which was a great company. And, and you know, she's, she's really good at what she does. And it, this was her idea. I initially said no. But then when it started, I was like, okay, this is going somewhere great. I like this. Let's put up a, a sailboat sail and make a little roof. And yeah. then we went for that. And then we just started hanging out there. I mean, we, we cut all the grass down there. There was a big cobra there one day as well that we chased away and it was went across the road. We didn't kill it, hopefully. Hopefully no one did. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and the neighbors at, at Paul Restaurant and at Beach 2 were like staring at us. At that time, I was living uh, at Lyon. It was kind of our getaway. Yeah, yeah. It had no place to go. Or the Hugo Hut. Hugo Hut. I was the, like the first one there. I said, this is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I was one, me and my friends was one of yeah. the first two. We were hanging out there. It was an amazing spot you guys found. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was beautiful, man. And it's it, still there. Did it just kind of snowball? Like it, To me, it seemed like uh, it, it was... I don't want to put it down and say it was a hobby, but it's, it was more just like... You started it, and then more ideas came, and more ideas, and it really it grew. Yeah, it yeah. exploded. We, you know, there were many th- ideas thrown around. I said to Carter that if we go for this, we have to go for this, you know, because I can't sail in. I mean, it's the sea word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we went for it, and uh, people like the one day people just walked up to us and, and like just sat down. And we had a cooler there, and Kalta was like, okay, you want a beer? <laughs> and this happened, and that happened, and it, it just snow, totally snowballed. Um, we had a birthday there. It was like 40 people. Yeah, There was supposed to be 10, and 40 people arrived. And obviously, people were just so excited to get out of the damn house yeah. just to go somewhere, and they found this spot. And w- when did you guys open? Which month was that? So we got the land on in May. Um, I was, uh, this is a... Uh, a hectic story, actually, but yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you like this. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know how much you can tell about it, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, man, it's just dealing. It's, it's politically incorrect also, so let's maybe yeah. steer clear from that. We, we got the land and everything went well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so then... Um, uh, where was I now? Um, um, get, talk just kind of talking about uh, initially how you guys got started and how it snowballed in that yeah, process. Yeah, and we signed a, a, a deal for three years, um, paid up front for one year, 
And, uh, you know, then we just started. Yeah. Got the little caravan that was at my house the whole time, the Calta my wife bought while I was in, in uh, Cuba. Uh, two years ago, I was in Cuba. I brought a boat from Cuba to Phuket. So I was in Cuba and Calta just sent me this picture. She said, I bought a caravan. I said, for what? She said, it's a little food truck, you know, like a little yeah. thing that we're going to sell stuff on the beaches. We can travel through Thailand and have some fun, you know. And it sounds a bit crazy, but, I mean, that's badass. I like that. It's a great idea. Just go hook it onto the truck and drive and go and sell beers. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't have to be so stagnant <laughs> or static. Yeah, yeah, you can exactly. be dynamic and do whatever you want. Yeah. So uh, when she sent me the picture, I knew, okay, well, and then she called it Hugo Hut. And what's funny is that she, on my birthday last year, she sat down at nighttime. We were sitting there and everyone was on the beach and we were all like shit-faced. And uh, she said to me, do you know that I called it Hugo Hut? Because it was actually supposed to be Hugo Hat, like a short for your last name, Akatis. I mean, it's an age-old thing with ties, right? Their yeah. spelling is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> they just messed up the A and the U. Yeah, but then it works because it's a hut. You know, hut yeah. meaning warm feeling. And uh, Actually, hat wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> make I think any it would have failed immediately the whole place. <laughs> you go hat. That's what I said to her. Exactly what I said the first thing. I was like, what? You go hat. <laughs> so glad you made that mistake. Yeah. You know, Um but yeah, also the reason she called it Hugo Hut was because um, before I left for Cuba, I was I said to her, you know, with the laws in Thailand and everything, I'm I'm working my ass off. I'm just throwing money at things when I'm sailing offshore, and every you know ninety percent of the cash I just bring back and give to her. Obviously, she's paying for the things that I own yeah. as well, but it's it's all in her name for business reasons, and also you can't I can't own land here. Yeah. But uh, I have to pay for the house and so on. And I said to it, it makes me feel a little bit, you know, like I'm just in the back of the bus here and paying for these things. And, and Kautza, she's an amazing woman. She pays for everything else. But, but yeah. still, I, I do feel that I, I need something that I can hold on to. Yeah, you so, don't, hey, have, you don't have control. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then I left and I flew to Cuba and then she put my name on this little caravan and then obviously she put my name on that. Yeah. Because she said... Um, yeah, because on my birthday she told me, yeah, because uh, you said you've got nothing in your name. And I said, well, my name's on there, but it's still not in my name. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Now, now, now it's just the face. <laughs> You're just a face. Yeah, I'm just a party animal, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so that, that's, that's how so, it started, but it's... And then it kind of, I think it just grew. Like, there's not much of a story behind it. It's other unpretentious. Than, yeah, it just kept growing and growing. And yeah. I think a lot of people were looking to escape... Not escape, but uh, have a have a change from the the beach club scene of your your catches and your cafe del mars, and and have something that it felt more authentic. Yes, exactly. Yeah, unpretentious. It wasn't. It wasn't like you know. I didn't have to try and take photos of myself in a fake corner or anything. No, no, no. In fact, I was picking up cigarette buds and plastic. And and yeah. when we cleaned that land, it took us so long because there was so much plastic. Stuck under. We actually one time saw a piece of linen sticking out, and I lifted it, and it was like board shorts from 1980s or something. And it was just stuck in the ground. There. But that's pro probably a lot of it is just from it's from the ocean. It's just kind of. I, I think there was something else there. If you go ah, okay. on Google Maps, okay, there's a structure there. Ah, because okay. there's a big piece of cement under the sand at one point that we put the sand on top. 
Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so there was definitely a structure there a while back. So th and this could be, who knows, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. probably more. Yeah. Wow. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. interesting because that part of, especially that part of Phuket on the island, Bang, uh, we'll call it Bang, Northern Bangtao, Lian. I mean, yeah. that's, it's, even today it's still un undeveloped, essentially. Like, it's not much going on. It's, As you start to go down that road, it looks like they're developing more now on that, the main strip. But I yeah, mean, yeah. even five years ago, that was empty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Paul Restaurant has been there for so long. Um, initially we weren't getting along in the yeah. beginning we weren't getting along but then he realized we were bringing more clients and, and, I, and I was trying to be nice you know the funny thing is that they they create this barrier between themselves like the, that piece of land Beach 2 and Paul they weren't even talking to each other but we we got a, we got everyone together there actually started working as a community yeah they get a bit too uh, competitive let's say it backfired in their face their rudeness yeah, <laughs> but I think I think that that's not just a pro it's not a problem in Thailand. I think the whole world is like that as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's also you know we just kept being nice. Yeah, that's all we did. So you you you, you fought them with love. Yeah, my kill them there with kindness. Go. Kill them with kindness. That's the word. <laughs> I'm I'm horrible at saying, so I, I make up my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then so you you were there for almost a year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about too much about what happened or if you're allowed to. And, no, no, no. It's, it's, uh, it's, very, it's very simple, mate. It's weather. It's weather. We changed. We looked for other land for weather. We're going back to – we'll have two places in November. No, Hugo, but I mean, Hutt's, Hugo Hutt's going to reopen. Hugo, you'll go, so you'll still own that? You'll still go back there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, already, okay. already signed. Okay. I thought that was a, kind of a dead deal. No. We're definitely going back there in November. Oh, okay. Well, shout out because the, the word around Phuket is not that. Everyone thought something no, no, happened. No. BS. Oh, BS. BS, guys. You heard it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Fucking BS. Yeah. No, gonna, we're definitely going so back. We're going to do, do ski, little ski trips and so on, you know, get people on the skis and so on. Hopefully the sea word is done. Yeah, hopefully. I but, think um, so. Yeah, I heard no. from a little birdie that July is okay. Uh, we'll kind of have a segue into the birth of Hugo Hub. So you had Hugo Hut, uh, and then recently, I would say what two about two two months, but maybe I would maybe guess the past three months. Like probably it took you about a month to build the thing, um, and kind of just explain Hugo Hut how that was born and where did the Hugo Hub Hub yeah hub. yeah where so, did the idea come uh, from? Well, Calta she decided to get a place under the roof. And, you know, get the right paperwork and so on. Uh, I won't go talk too much about the other paperwork. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, get a restaurant license and all those things. Um, and then get a few restaurants in on the place as well to, you know, give people more opportunity as well and also draw in more people. But, uh, you know, it was her family came down and helped and they were amazing at what they did. Um, Kalta was working at Asphalt to get the place ready. I was down in, the, in, in Alpo Marina the whole time. Um, while they were getting the place ready. So, you know, shout out to them, actually. They're amazing at what they did there. That was her family that came down? Yeah, okay. family, uncle, dad, mom, everyone helped. It was amazing. It was really a, a, a team effort from them. Um, so I don't, I don't, I, I can't take any credit for that. No, I just go Just there the name. I just sample <laughs> the liquid lunch yeah. there, that's all. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but no, they, they did an amazing job and it's a cool hangout. Um, 
trying to get some artists in there. I mean, literal artist drawings. Yeah, and, I saw you had some people in there kind of helping out with uh, painting the walls and. Yes, exactly. Pete, um, uh, um, Guy's girl, uh, Lily, yep. um, Letitia, and then uh, who else was down there actually? Oof. So you had a few, a few people on the on the inst and the IG. Oh yeah, and then Nathan, Nathan as well. Am yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's beautiful. It's a good spot. Uh, obviously, we, it's still a work in progress, but uh, <clears throat> now we want to do a little slipway there for boats as well. Um, just as financial things are at the moment, we have to wait a little while before that's going to happen. What um, do you mean by a slipway for boats? We want to we want to make it possible for boats to go launch there. You know, speed boats, smaller boats, shallow. So boats, if I if you have a sea do, you could launch off there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, uh, I used to have a sea do anyways. Um, yeah, but we would go. We would back in the truck uh, around that area. I couldn't remember this three four years ago. I think it was actually beside your place. Yeah. And we would kind of back it in and drop it off there and take off there. But Amanpuri uh, spot, yeah, probably, yeah. I think it was literally the shop beside you to the yeah, left. Yeah, it's Amanpuri. Okay, so we would drop off there and come through. And I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't that it wasn't allowed. It just, you just did it. Yeah. You're yeah. just like, hey, I'm backing in. And the guys were like, all right, come on in. And yeah, yeah. Drop it off. Yeah, yeah. So from a, uh, the business side, how would that, where, where would they drop off if they were to bring in like a sea or a small boat? How are they going to enter? It would be to the left, the left side of the Hugo uh, hub or how You're would they straight through, mate. They're going to go right through the restaurant. Right through the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> I just picked it up yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I picked up the other speedboat that was in there. I reversed in all the way. Um, we had a few boys helping us pull up the trailer into the water. Um, I can't just yet reverse all the way into the ocean there because uh, there's there's a spot where it drops too much and the rain is making, you know, a little bit of a donga. What do you call it when the it erodes the ground in such a way it's that kinda, it's, it's, it's a like bit, mud. Yes. Okay. It's also muddy and rocky and and you know it's it's a bit. Uh, yeah, because how far can you get your the truck back in there without it's, it's getting risky. stuck? Yeah, it's risky. Um, and then also just in between that that you know the silty. Part of the the yeah. ocean there, where you walk in, and the, because it's a, it's a very it's a very minerally part of the. I mean, the river runs in there, right? So you have a lot of salt, and um, uh, there's a spot there where it's really soft, and you can just sink in. So I don't want to go down that that far, but we want to cast some concrete and uh, then make it possible for people to launch their boats, and we're also going to store the boats there. So okay, yeah, we we have storage in the back. We we we're starting a bed and breakfast. Um, it's still in the phase of being. Yeah, I mean that, that that's it's a good idea, especially like again, like when we had the sea do, uh, it was too much of a hassle to the process of getting your sea do out. Yeah. Because okay, the sea do's at the home. Okay, loaded up on the trailer. Okay, now we got to drive it to Bangtao. Oh, now it's a nightmare because the roads are so small. How the fuck do I back this thing in there? Then you, I mean, it could take you an hour before you're even <laughs> on the road. And we lived in Bangtao. Yeah, yeah. Right. So no, the, if you're able to, no, it's, you, it's you know, crap. if you're able to, um, uh, to provide a service, for provide people. a service for people. Let's say to leave their sedus there, hop on oh, them and take yeah, off. Yeah. Sign me up. Sign exactly. Me up. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So the the bed and breakfast on the other side of the road that we're starting now is uh, it's a working space as well. We have PO boxes that we're going to provide for companies that are you know just they don't want to have a whole office. 
Like a virtual office. Virtual office, exactly. And we're going to have PO boxes there as well. And um, if, if stuff needs to be sent there, we'll have their own little lockers and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also the, the, the storage for the boats. But we need a few more boats before we actually sign off on that. You know, mm-hmm. So I want to get the word out on that. Yeah, let's, um, all right. We, uh, I don't know which camera we look at. Maybe all of them at once. But um, bring your boats. Bring your boats. <laughs> First step, pay me. Second step, <laughs> then we'll build a launching pad. All right. No, and I get it. You get enough clients and enough people committed, and then so you. I want to. I want to know if it's going to work. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, so anyway. I actually, I actually do think it will work because um, in the past the locals were uh, not going to. I don't think it's politically incorrect, but uh, the locals were very, very hesitant. Aggressive. Oh. Is that wrong? Meaning like <laughs> they didn't want you to open up the shop or... or no, no, no. The, the water's there. You know, these, mm. these boys, they call themselves the mafia when they're just a bunch of cowboys. Yeah, but it's there. It's They've been there for how many years, right? I get it. But it's it's kind of like uh, you, you get territorial, right? Let's say like you have... It's, your, it's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to yeah. get them anywhere by the way they're yeah. approaching it. So working with them, it's it's much better. Being a bit, it's better now. It wasn't such a challenge. Oh no, no, it's much better now. It's amazing. It's great. They, you know, we're fr- I've been friends with them for so many years. The first people I befriended in Thailand was uh, the the lifeguards in yeah. Surin Beach. Yes, and they're an amazing gang. You know, the other day we were on the speedboat doing the the um, the um, wakeboarding with with Magnus, Magnus yeah, and then this this. Jet ski came from the side with a guy on the back, and I thought, "Oh God, here it comes! This is now the first altercation with us." And then it's you know with Taya, my friend, <laughs> he goes, yeah. "Hey, you go, what's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> and we had a quick word. He was like, "No, you just got a phone call from someone. It's the engine died a few miles in in the ocean, so he's going to go and help them." Um, but yeah, it's it's good the connections that I've made over the few years that I've been here and how we help each other. I, I guess. You know, it comes back to the thing with killing with kindness. Yep. Um, it helps. Yeah, it helps I, to I know think right people as well. I think that that's. I think Bangtao's a. It's not that competitive for tourism. I find because the hotels kind of take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's not like let's say a Kata or a Karong or a Patong in terms of your. Let's call it the jet ski mafia, whatever. Yeah. But I, you don't. I always find Bangtao. You don't get that competitive aggressive jet ski you know sales vibe there like i don't think they would really be stepping on your toes too much no 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 but they do they do feel like they have to stamp it in there and um maybe something that helped a lot was my classic car when i parked it there <laughs> they like that <laughs> they were immediately wow so but, uh, what, what are you driving what is this car that's uh, a, a 67 pontiac beaumont Okay, and how did you import it or? No, no, no. I bought that in Surtani. I mean, the locals in Thailand don't know what that is. They, they, they sort of just go for the extreme, flashy, fast and furious. Yeah. You know, they put they put their money on that. When I did some research the same day, I th- it took me five hours to decide when I was there looking at the car. You know, I went online. I actually immediately joined two groups and I was in a part in a, in a farmland in Suratani where there wasn't good reception on the phone 
So I was like holding my phone like this, joining a group, <laughs> joining a group like this. Yeah, I need reception. Please accept yeah. me for the group. And it was called the uh, Acadians and Beaumonts and, you know, Canadian classics. And uh, so I went on and, and they, I asked them, listen, I sent fo photos immediately. Took a while to load, but it did. And then within an hour, like within an hour of me posting that, I said, yep, I'm buying it. Because the people just told me that's it's you such bought, a rare car. So you car. bought it in Suratani yeah, yeah. off a Farang or a Thai? Thai. Oh, okay. And where, where did he get it from? What was the story behind he it? He found it from an old farmer in a shed. It's just amazing Shit. the condition it is. In. And he restored it or it was managed yeah, they, to stay? Yeah, they semi-restored it. I restored it fully now, but I'm, I'm still busy. It's back in the garage now. We're doing the shocks at the moment, steering and... and I'm doing some performance parts to the engine, doing it a cam. Is it all it. original, like original engine? Or? Original engine, original interior from 1967. Oh my God. It's insane. So it's the question like, is, where, there, there's got to be an interesting story behind that. Let's say from the farmer, where did this come from? I, I mean, have no idea. It's mate. import, obviously. So No idea. No idea. Crazy. It's built in Oshawa. 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 Yeah. O-S-H-A-W-A. That's Oshawa. That's Canada. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's like five minutes from my house. Oh, no, sorry. It's about an hour and a half from my house. Yeah. Oshawa. Yeah. It's oh. Canadian. It's a Canadian, it's a Canadian yeah. Chevelle. Maybe that's what brought us together today. This yeah, is it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this an is hour it. and a half away, brother. Yeah, ju ju just to allow you to pronounce Oshawa correctly. <laughs> and that was it. All right, we're really? good. And we're done. <laughs> no. I thought that was... That was Osh Oshawa, yeah. It's, uh, Oshawa. It's, Oshawa is like... Uh, uh, I think they still do car manufacturing. It's just... It's actually... Uh, just outside of Toronto, maybe like 20, 30 minutes. Okay, wow. Okay. So the 67, and um, that, that can allow us to jump into the uh, the next side hustle because you've got so many going on. I mean, Hugo the Hustler, ha Hatton. Um, Hugo the Hustler. <laughs> Here we go. Hunter's Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> yeah. Triple H. Triple H, maybe. <laughs> I like that that WWF oh, that's WWF reference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I will not say WWE. They're not not having that's it. That's such bullshit. WWF. <laughs> yeah, WWF. Okay. Come on, that's it. So we got Triple H on the podcast today. Um, you're you're getting into car restoration and uh, yeah. So what's what's going on with that exactly? Oh, we got an amazing team at the moment as well. Um, so yeah, we've got a. Um, uh, Nello, uh, who is an engine wizard. I mean, he builds these big blocks from America, the 454s, and, and you know, he does the Miracruza engines for the boats and then the, the V8s for the cars. I've got a straight six on this car, unfortunately, but fortunately, I, I don't care. I'm a, mm. I, I think I'm, I've, I'm a purist in that way that I, not really a purist, I actually like swaps, but when it comes to something that's old, I don't want to put a, a Toyota V8 in there. I'm going to keep it, it authentic. Yeah, it's it's a, it's only a three point eight liter straight six, but it's still a Chevy engine. It's still a Pontiac engine, you know. Yeah. And um, uh, Nilo is the wizard there. Then we've got a metal shaper, and then obviously me, the the guy. Who I feel that I've I've got the eye. Don't show them this though. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the eye for yeah. the cars. You're you're the mad scientist behind it all. Yeah, I feel that I've got the a little bit of a formula guy in there. You told me uh, again a couple of weeks ago you're you're you have this baby this restoration job that you're trying to get behind. So what what is that all, all about? Because <laughs> okay, may, so maybe we can plug that a bit if anyone's listening. Contact Hugo. 
He's got something for you. Let's find out. Oh, mate, there's a few things. There's a few things. Okay, so we found a frame in Bangkok. I can't, I can't talk about that too much because that's sort of now. Yeah. If I, I say too many yeah, things, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. let's just say let's build up. Let's build up the hype a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I say too much about it, then it's then it's gonna go somewhere. Then there's the mercury, and there's uh, something else that we found. But it's it's there's there is a lot of potential in Thailand. Um, I do feel as a Westerner or a, a foreigner in Thailand that we we sort of know, you know, they have their own ways of doing. They set in their ways. The Thai people and and. It's great that they have that, but it's I, I feel as foreigners we also have our own market that we go for. Yeah. Um you know, hot rod wise, we've uh, our metal shaper for instance is, is from France and he's he's amazing at what he does with his hands. He's he can shape metal and he can do whatever he wants to. He works for the total for for the gas uh, companies in the US and uh he welds uh, pipelines and I mean he's he's just he's good at and this will be your your team. You got the right people in the right place. I've got amazing team at the moment going. Mm. Um, and then with the boat building and so on, it's it's considerable. It's I feel very lucky. So it's a lot of ha- hands on on <sighs> work. So let let's jump way back to kind of the beginning of the podcast. I mean, you started off a, a, as a pilot. When did this hands on work carpentry like skill set kind of come into play? South Africa, it was mandatory to do carpentry in school. Okay. And it became so intense that your last piece in high school would be a piece of furniture, but it had to be real art. What was your piece of furniture? It was actually a a psychologist chair. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is all tying together. (laughs) All right. There was was some hidden message in that. It was beautiful, though. It was beautiful. Okay. And then that that was kind of your first taste of carpentry <laughs> and then where did that how did that kind of uh, expand from there or, or uh, snowball again from there it was I, when i was in london i did the furniture removals and then i started you know carrying doors for another company and uh, i came back i was you know i started hanging doors and then i came back to south africa and i kept doing that you know and and Building small little things. I mean, very simple things, but you have to think outside the box. You just think of what you want and think of how you're going to create that. Um, anything. Yeah. And I mean, think outside the box. Think of design. Uh, you know, put uh, plaster a few things together or, or, or glue a few things together, epoxy a few things together and then cut it at a funny angle and might use that as a, as a top or... Um, nowadays, you know, I haven't been doing this for many years, so I started doing this again, and it's 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 creative. I, I'm learning, and and I think the the nice thing is that I'm I'm I feel almost in a permanent way that I'm always behind, but mm. that makes me suck in so much more, and I keep in sucking in. I, I tell myself, you will never stop learning. It's the first thing that you learn when you go to the ocean. So, mm. I mean, the the most wisest sailors have always told me, you never stop learning. I don't think you know everything. But then I meet these sailors sometimes. I would walk into a pub, for instance, and meet a guy that's 50 years old. He's done 50,000 miles. And I'll be like, wow. <laughs> very, very sarcastic, you know. Sarcasm, the yeah. lowest form of wit. Yeah, but yeah, then I then I would say that to the guy, wow, you've done 50,000 miles. That's amazing, <laughs> bro, fist bump. <laughs> and I wouldn't even waste my time telling him that I've done over 200,000 miles. I mean, I was like, what? 
you have closed your mind yeah. to learning more because you're so cocky. Um, and, and witnessing that just makes me more open. It just makes me more think, hey, you keep learning, man. I mean, I still learn. Yeah, I mean, that, I still, that's... I don't know everything. Uh, I've just got a bunch of miles. It doesn't mean that I'm the best sailor in the world at all. Um, it does mean I've spent a shit ton of, shit ton of time on the ocean, you know, but... Um, and um, what was your most, let's... Sailing on the ocean, what was your most, like, intense, maybe scariest moments in which you may have feared for your life? That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Let me cut that out, yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> now we're rolling. That's all right. Quick, quick now face. we got him. <laughs> you just got to clap. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay. So my intense, most intense moment, I was in the newspapers a few times. Um, I was sailing north of Papua New Guinea. That was a guy fell off my boat. I found him after two hours. Uh, it was about 400 miles north of Papua New Guinea. That was it's quite casual how you sling a guy fell off my boat. I fell into a, what do you mean? You, he you he fell, off, fell off the boat. I was, I was trying to sleep downstairs, but I, I just sailed through a storm the previous night and I was with two inexperienced sailors bringing a boat from Singapore to New Zealand. And I had a choice to go north of uh, Australia, go through the Torres Straits or go north of Papua New Guinea. Um, and to go north of Papua New Guinea, I had to go through the Sulu Sea, which is the unknown, it's the deadliest place for pirates, actually. It's, people talk about Ethiopia, that's nothing. Sulu Sea and the Celebi Sea, is like, it's intense, man. This the is people, up by Papua New Guinea. Uh, south of Philippines. Oh, it's, it, I know what you're talking, yeah, of course. It's the whole Philippines, <coughs> that, that, that area between the Philippines and Indonesia. Yes. Yes, I've heard, yes. If you it's, live it's here, you know there. Yeah. yeah, it's very dangerous there. So yeah. you have military, but the military even tell you that you must report and that the other boats shouldn't contact other boats. And yeah. I once sailed back from Tahiti years ago. I don't want to change the subject yeah. now, but I, I once sailed back and I asked for help because I had gangrene in my legs, severe septicemia. Shit. And I was, it started smelling as well on the boat and, and they didn't even answer. This was a year before that. Um, but anyway, so... We went through the Sulu Sea and then I had a, 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 one of the crew was very inexperienced. We were at Moratai. So you're, you're coming from Singapore you're s and you're trying to get to New Zealand. So you've sailed north and you're coming around. Yes, because I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to waste just the engines. I mean, we've got one engine. It's a mono. You didn't want to just go kind of south, you know, past northern Australia and then down? Called the Torres Strait, yeah. Why, why is that? Uh, that uh, winds were head on. Gotcha. Head on. And those winds there, you, when you get through that one part there, the winds just change. It's not nice. But you also have spots where there's dead wind, so you still have to motor the whole time. So you have a choice of motoring all the time or you go north and take the chance. And I did I did make the best decision. Um, yeah, then we were we left Moritai, Irian Jaya, the one day, and we just got some diesel there and a little bit of extra food, some fresh food, you know. And I went through a storm that night. Um, it was an intense storm. My, my crew was an experience, so I was sailing alone for 12 hours. And it was it was just too much for me. I was tired the next day, and it was like we were coming out of this curtain of dark, you know, dark cloud going into this blue sky, beautiful. The ocean wasn't rough anymore. Yeah. And uh, I, I said, okay, guys, I'm tired. 
I've done a 12 hour shift and sailing alone for 12 hours is not, it's really tiring. It's, it's very fatiguing. Your brain must be operating like pretty Overtime. much like fourth, fourth, you're in fourth, fifth gear all it's the time. It's insane. Yeah. It's really insane. It's, it's so fatiguing. But what's funny is that when you, even when I go to bed, I, I would think that I'm just going to pass out, but I don't because my heart rate and everything is just on overdrive. You're so going I so can't fast. Sleep. So what I did is I put on earphones. And I made a rule in the beginning, no earphones when you're inside the boat. But I told my crew, I said, don't put the sails up, just motor. And before we even left Singapore, I made a rule that no one's off the back of the boat unless there's someone there. If you want to collect a water, a water bucket, then you yell and say that I'm getting some water into the bucket. And this kid was young. He was 20 or 19 years old. And he went off the back and I was inside with earphones on with the laptop on and I'm right next to the engine. Because I can't, you know, I can't yeah. hear the laptop. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to calm down. Just forget about that I've just sailed through this big storm. And um, yeah, then it happened. It's, he, he went off the back and, <clears throat> you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this from my, from my point of view rather. Um, he went off the back. Um, Pause for suspense. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he went, he went off the back and, so I'll tell you from my point of view, rather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I woke, I didn't wake up, I, I couldn't sleep. But it was like 30 minutes later. And I was like, fuck, what's going on? Nothing's happened. But maybe, say 45 minutes after he fell off, I found out that he was gone. <clears throat> but I ran around on the deck. <laughs> but nobody else knew. No, it's just it's. We, I've got two crew there. The one other one sleeping in the bow. Yeah, and so I ran around on the deck inside and stuff, and I was yelling, "Hey, Erastus, where are you?" The guy's name. <clears throat> I was like yelling, and then I got to a point where I said, "If I fucking find you, I'm gonna kill you." Mm. You know, are you hiding in the sail bag? Are you hiding in a locker somewhere? And no answer. So then I went off the back and I looked and I saw his hat and his glasses lying there. Well, you're lucky to even find that to get to give you the alarm. Yeah. Then I woke up my other crew. I mean, I woke him up way before actually, but um, he was, you know, he turned around immediately and then I called on the sat phone. I actually called my father and I said to him, I lost the crew. Mm. I said, I lost the crew. Yeah. <sighs> and, my, and it was like midnight in South Africa. <laughs> you know, obviously my dad's like 2 a.m. or whatever, and he's like waking up, and he goes, oh, my God, you go, do your calculations. Because I'm, I'm really good at maths. Um, so mm -hmm. I just started doing calculations. I turned around immediately. I always leave my track on, so it calcul it basically leaves... Your trail. A line, yeah, trail. Like, a, like hitting a golf ball on TV. It, yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, it's going to leave a little trail. Yeah, yeah. There we you go. You can call it a trail, yeah. There we it go. It shows where I've sailed before, and I went yeah. back on that. And then I sort of, I had to figure out how long, when did he fall off? Mm. Do you know the fact that I found this guy is fucking insanely amazing? It's it's Nearly just, impossible. It's The ocean's a big place, man. Yeah. It's a fucking big place, and it was it was if it wasn't for birds as well, I mean, even the birds were so far away. Like, you just see a little dot of why, birds Why out. birds? Because they fly and wait for this guy to die. To die, yeah. Ah, and then, <laughs> the, oh, and then they, 
And then other fish will come, and it, it just creates. Wait, so which? Sorry, where? Which point did he fall off specifically? Where? See, the thing is, uh, and this is something I haven't told many people. Um, he didn't fall off. He jumped in after the bucket. He he tried to get water off the back. Yeah. And the bucket broke. But the previous day, he lost the fishing line. Okay. And he lost the spanner. And I was yelling at him the previous day. I was giving him some yell. Mm. So obviously when he lost the bucket, but I mean, he was really idiotic. Maybe he's tired. He's not thinking. And <sighs> he was idiotic to jump in. He jumped in and started yelling. <laughs> thinking, yeah. But at the same time, I feel I feel sort of in a, in a certain sense, you know, that it was my responsibility. So I do take full responsibility, but luckily the guy's alive. Yeah, but also it could have been different in that line of business, right? I mean, this stuff can happen. I mean, it's it's not. I feel it's one of those things, you know, that's really, really. And I think if you've sailed as many miles in life, and luckily I found him, I went this way. Yeah, but as many miles, let's say, just do the math, and, and if you are saying you're mathematical based on statistics, the amount of miles that you've sailed, some shit should have happened that should have been. Horrific, because I'm sure, like based on, I'm sure if you sailed one million miles, something is going to happen. It's it ha it ha it's inevitable, right? <laughs> no, you don't think so. <laughs> no, you, you think you think that this can be completely avoided or based on oh, fuck yeah. based on x amount of miles as an algorithm equals uh, something. It depends on who you are, I guess. I, I do know of captains. I mean, I had a captain working for me a while back and he just totally fucked up. It was just insane. Mm. Yeah, I've got a rule when you sail, you don't drink. Yep. And he was, uh, he loved his drink, so. Yeah, because you need to be on high alert the entire time. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you can No, be it's, happy. Uh, gets, it gets, it gets spiritual and slow out there. You know, days feel like weeks. Weeks feel like months. Yeah. So you're like, oh, how many days have I been here? It's only a week. Fuck, it feels like half a year, man. Well, the, your brain's running at full speed the entire time. I mean, yeah. It's not like, you know, in Phuket where we're, our brains aren't running that well. Yeah. <laughs> what day is it? You don't really <laughs> you, care. You don't care. <laughs> what year is yeah, it? You forget. 2021. I'm still writing 2022 sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So th uh, and this kid you found, where, where was he from? South Africa. He's from South Africa. And he moved to my hometown. Okay. A year before that. It's funny because... The connection, <laughs> yeah. But uh, sorry, I, maybe I missed that part, but specifically where in the ocean? On that strait in the north Philippines? North of Irian Jaya. Okay. Um, north of Irian Jaya. It's like, uh, there's a place called Helen's Reef. And you can check that. I was very close to that. I mean, these are okay. places that no one on the planet sees. I've seen some fucked up places. Oh, well, cool places, but like... They're in the no middle. Even, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. Like even on a map to find it's just it just a reef. Be, yeah. In the middle of the ocean, in the middle of nowhere, Enough, there's like a station there where the station and there's 19 people on the island. Yeah. You can imagine... Uh, well, there's a lot of places like that even up, let's say... Apples uh, and incest. Apples and, <laughs> apples and incest. <laughs> Sounds like I'm, you know, you're, you're selling it. I'm on a route. Um, but there's, there's these places, they're like nomadic, let's say. Um, up in uh, north of Kaolack, north of the Samilian Islands, the Surin Islands. Yeah, yeah. When you get way out there. Yeah, I mean, these yeah. people, they're Thai without passports. 
Have you have you been out? You're familiar with that area? Have you been out? I've there? actually that's an area that I haven't sold to yet. No. Yeah, I, I went out there a couple of years ago. Uh, you just drive all the way up to one of the the ports, and then you take a speedboat. It's about an hour. And um, we had business opportunities. Yeah, there, there, to there's us there, yeah. people. The they're Thai. They don't look. They don't look Andaman. Like they don't look. You know, Indian. They look Thai. Yeah. But they're nomadic. Like there's no passport. They live on the island. They yeah, fish. Yeah. And that's like even the tourists coming, they kind of sell trinkets, but there's no tourism. Like it's mostly Thai tourism. So when you arrive on the island, they don't push it on you. Yeah. yeah. They're not like bye, bye, bye. They're just with their kid in the hut. And if you buy, you buy. But they're able to survive on their own because they're just eating out of the sea all day. Yeah. Yeah. So no, they're fine. Yeah. They're fine. They're They've fine. been doing it for probably five, six hundred years. Who knows? Probably more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thousands of years, because uh, if you read the book from Colin McKay, who's a good friend of mine, it's the history of Thailand is pretty interesting. It's, you know, you get these sea, sea, sea gypsies. gypsies. Yeah. Yeah. But now they're starting to get kicked off, like, uh, off PP and around there because of the whole, is it an issue with the bird's nest uh, industry? An issue with the bird's nest, but they're also, they litter a lot. They, uh, it's it's more than that, really. It's, it's There's issues with the locals and... If you read that book, really gives mm -hmm. you an, it gives you an idea of their mindset. Because and do they consider themselves Thai? These sea gypsies, sea gypsies, as uh, does it explain that in the book? Or I don't think they consider themselves anything really, other than a sea gypsy. <laughs> other than a sea gypsy. <laughs> but you don't really. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't yeah. say because I, I honestly don't know. I, I do feel um, that their their past is extremely dangerous. Like the Alunon pirates from the Sulu Sea, they. They were very, very careless pirates. They didn't care. They were just Sa insane. savages. S yes, yes, savages out there. Yeah, I know. I've I've heard about that, especially we, because there's there's a good uh, surf spot in the south of the Fi uh, Philippines. I forget the name of it. It's called Seven. Uh, I can't remember the name of this. There's a very famous surf spot in the very south of the Philipp Philippines, one of the islands there. Um, and then that it's it's <sighs> it's. It's the Muslim Good area. Coffee. Yeah, great coffee. Great coffee. And then off that seat, that part between that that island, or maybe can you go over to it? Oh, we got the map here. Go to the Philippines. Go to this. I know exactly where you're talking about. Um, what is that surf spot called? Um, Men Mentawai. No, uh, no, keep going. We're <laughs> in Bhutan. Down, 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 down there. Yeah, down there, Davo. It's in Davo. Uh, it's min, min uh, just to the right, actually. Yeah, uh, it's that whole area, General Santos and Davo. That Sulu, that's on the on the left there. That's Sulu. Yeah, yeah. This part because then there's that kind of I don't know if you call it Davao, yeah, channel, but it's between there to the Philippines, or sorry, there to Indonesia. And I this is the famous for pirates. Yeah, something. But yeah, check Helen's yeah. Reef. Helen's Reef is Helen's Reef. Where, where is that? Let's see that. Zoom straight into the middle, a little bit to the right, uh, right, right to the right. Yeah, yeah, in there. Go straight in. Dive in. Straight in. Wait, down. Okay. Yeah. So Some of these. Down, 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 down. To the right. To the right. Actually, if you go, if you put that in there, it should I show you? Should Helen's almost be there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. H e l e n. It is because the yeah, there's so many. It's hard to see on the screen. Yeah, so many islands out there. I mean, a Palau. Have you been out there? 
No, but close. Oh. Close. Yeah. Interesting. I've been out to, I've been to every what every country Again? in Southeast Asia. Pretty oh, much. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, I've I've been to North Korea. I've been every everywhere. Yeah. I've been to, uh, I went to uh, East Timor. Yeah, I went to well. East Timor as well yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah, I was in. Uh, so we flew in. T- I went to. This was three years ago. Fly to huge massacre speak, there. I speak Portuguese. Portuguese in there. there. The food is amazing there. Yeah. Yeah. East Timor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You fl- I flew into Dili, and I stayed there three or four days. But it's like, but it's like, it's Portuguese port, not Brazilian Portuguese, but Portuguese Portuguese. But the portions are like stupid. Like yeah, like one portion is for two. Everything like the man bacalhau. You should know this one. What are we looking at? The type of fish that bacalhau. Ah, there it is. Bacalhau. <laughs> yeah, the bacalhau is the famous Portuguese yeah, yeah. fish. Yeah. Everything's salty, but it's good. Yeah. Good place. What what are we looking at here? What's uh, the Helen, name? Helen's Reef. It doesn't matter really. I mean, if you guys want to look at it, go for it. But yeah. it's, uh, it's where, the, where the guy fell off. Okay, so you you went back out. It took oh, how long did it take you to find him? Uh, about an hour. I mean, come on, that's uh, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's not bad. There you go. And uh, what where it is? Uh, you can't. It doesn't even show. Look at it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just ocean. That's where he fell off. And. Oh, that's definitely not. No, right. that's definitely off. not it. That's another Helen's reaction. That's reason. another okay, Helen's So, reason. when he when you found him, what was his reaction? Like, did he have a, like a near death experience? I or had a, I, bro. Even though, um, because how I long mean, I he was, was there? I was sad while trying to find him, but I was just too focused. And then when I found him, I was yelling at him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the emotion came out, right? I was like, you. I hope you're fucking feeling shit right now. You know, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was yelling at him and I just told him, are you okay, buddy? You know, when he came on board and he and he started crying. And I said, dude, do you know what fucking just happened? And I probably said it three times. I said, do you fucking know yeah. what just happened? And he was crying and he said, I saw the mast... Going over the horizon, and I trapped the air in the bucket, and I just sat on it, and I kept looking down for fish, <laughs> <laughs> and he sat there for two hours. <laughs> oh, and are there are there any are there sharks in that area? Or? Oh fuck yeah, yeah. That's right. not. It's a very dangerous area, actually. You know, but sharks It's not natural prey. Human beings. No. No, definitely not. I mean. And that's by the sheer size of I our body. I feel he's one of the luckiest people on the planet. This guy, and you still talk to him? But I'm. Can I say this? this is a bad thing. I'm not a. Relig- I'm not a religious person. Okay. And he is. His dad's a pastor, and on yeah, the right. front page in South Africa, front page of the newspaper, they said Jesus saved him. Oh fuck! So even the old uh, Springbok captain um, John De Villiers was fishing with my brother and, and they went out one day and he said uh, apparent, I don't know if this is even true but my brother was like yeah you know my friends at the work say you know uh, you go your, your brother is Jesus because <laughs> <laughs> I was on the front page and it said uh, Jesus saves oh my god and, and it just I was like fuck this is the worst person to say that about yeah because I mean <clears throat> I wasn't praying yeah I was just calculating and then th- this guy, I'm assuming he's never been back on your boat. No, 
Yeah. Funny enough, after that, we also had a little bit of a massacre, which isn't a massacre. We had a we had a boat problem. We he sailed with me from Seychelles because you know he was a good crew, but he did something really stupid that day. And I, and I give people second chances definitely. Um, he flew back to South Africa after that. In New Zealand, the owners heard about it. Everyone, the whole fucking world, knew about it. The riches dot com, and and it was just a little bit of an overkill, really. But um. Uh, you know, he, he flew back and the owner of the boat and he was so happy to have his boat and he, you know, yeah. they were very, very happy and the condition of the boat was excellent. It was better than I found it in. Um, and they flew him back with a bucket in his hand. He was holding the bucket at oh, the God. airport. <laughs> Going in the bucket that saved my life. Oh my God. <laughs> the bucket that took my life and saved me. Yeah, but I mean... Even with without that bucket, I mean, he he would be able. He he could have been fine either way. Like at least to survive for like I don't yeah, know, three or four down, hours. I guess. Yeah. On your back. Just. And uh, at what what time of day was it? Like was it daytime? You were able to find him. It was ten a.m. Okay, 11. so at nighttime, it's a different story. He would have been fucked. Yeah, there's no way. Pardon my language, but he would have been totally, totally screwed. Yeah. I would have. I would have stopped. I would have, uh, what I would have done at night time is I would have sailed back where I guessed where he fall off and I would have just switched the engines off and floated. Mm. And then it was up to him to fight, to swim to us then. Because, I mean, the mast is tall enough to see for 40 miles, you know, 50 miles. And you wouldn't be able to hear anything out no, there? No, not really even. Why, why is that? Is it just... Not on that boat. No. No. It's, way, it's not even... Close at, at like sea level. What about those guns? They have those, those guns. Flare, flare like guns. Flare, flare guns. guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, he didn't have one on him. So. No, no. But <laughs> no, I mean, you know, when, you, when you you sh you think about a shooting one, when you get closer to him, if it was at night. Uh, if it was at night, definitely. If it was yeah. at night, yeah. I would probably have shot one. If it was at night time, and you can mm -hmm. calculate how fast a person can swim. Let's say a person swims at one and a half knots or two knots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. You know, and if I would have gotten close enough back there and and just stopped, then I would have shot the gun. Yeah, mm. I would have done that as well. And hope right. for the best. Yeah. And yeah, hope no, to no. at least hear, try to hear him. And, and just swim to the boat, man. I would have switched on all the bloody lights, make sure that he sees us. Um, but yeah, that's a weird thought. That, that's your, that's so that's your intense. most intense story in... in not so much in terms of like maybe sea intense, but just in, in general. Uh, I went, I've sailed through a cyclone, I've sailed through a typhoon. I mean, I recently just sailed through a cyclone north of Australia down there. Literally down the right. And, and how do you react? Uh, there's a lot of other people out there. Like, should you be sailing or like what? what is, you, you never get the uh, feeling of capsizing or anything see, like this? See, the thing is, in places like the Caribbean the, and, and also in... in um, uh, down there, right there, but Arafura, Arafura Sea, um, mm. what they say there, um, it was it was intense. Arafura Sea, yeah. yeah, right there, Papua New Guinea, R right there where that is. I wasn't so lucky. So lucky there, Yam yeah, Yamdena there. I stopped there, and again at and this point, you're still you're you're delivering yachts. It's beautiful. This is the. This is your yeah, main, you're yeah delivering. delivering. I brought a boat from Cuba to Phuket. 
Have you ever said no based on maybe danger or, or like just in terms of like the, there's issues on the sea and you're just like, no, I'm not doing it this time? Honestly, no. no. Say yes to everything. It's just not that. It's more the fact that I'm uh, at the moment, I think I'm on a level with catamarans and sailing boats that um, it's it's good enough for me. But some people, uh, I just offer it to them and they say no. You get what you pay for, mate. You, you're gonna pay for a captain that's inexperienced. You're gonna get yourself screwed in the end. Um, but uh, you know, for instance, I, I've, it all depends on the condition of the boat as well. I mean, I can't just—I've never had someone come to me and they give me a piece of shit to sail. Yeah, and you're not gonna. Yeah, I wouldn't even entertain that. Hmm. Um, someone has never come to me and said to me, "Hey, can you deliver this boat?" And then I look at it and go, oh, it's never happened. Yeah? You show that sign, I show this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, finito. finito. Sheesh, we're really oh. good at that. Yeah. So I'm just getting comfortable, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in this, <coughs> this industry that you're in, are there a lot of people similar to yourself that are also delivering boats? Or is it a, is it a smaller yeah, industry? Where, is it uh, smaller where everyone knows each other? It's a, uh, it's. I feel like when it comes to um, delivering yachts, the South African boys are extremely good. Mm. I'll, I'll literally say that out loud and proud. The South African boys are because you don't sail from Cape Town and then you, when you go from Cape Town and you've sailed a few times from Cape Town, you actually become. You feel like you know when when you go to other countries where the where the waves are big. Then you feel like it's small. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, because Cape Town's just, and then, you know, the Southern Ocean is not a sort of place where you play around. You, you grow up in the shit. You need to know what the fuck you know. You need to know what the fuck you're doing. It's a, it's um. it's not a, it's not a Mickey Mouse crap anymore. Yeah, um, you're, you're starting off at, at a certain level. Yes. From where yeah. other people start at a level and they go to Cape Town and they sort of go, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. You know, I, I went from that level where, to other countries and I go, oh, this is such nice yeah. weather today. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, my best friend from high school, Nuan, um, is now doing his M as the MCA rating and he's doing uh, he's delivering military vessels. Mm. So um, yeah, he took just took recently a boat from Vietnam to Nigeria, and then there's. Uh, uh, you know, he's doing a, he just finished another delivery actually from Cape Town to the Caribbean as well. But uh, doing the C word. Yeah. It's made life difficult, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, mostly because of the quarantines and no, you just can't yeah. go. People are just kind of waiting it out now, right? Yes. So yeah. things cost more. Deliveries cost almost double now. Yeah, so then people just, they, they, just, they decide no. Anything under the 2,000 miles? Cost double. If it's over that, it's only a percentage of your cost. You know, um, but yeah. And, and I'm talking about nautical miles, meaning 1.2 American miles, mm. so to speak. So, um, and we'll, we'll kind of we'll wrap this up soon because I'm getting thirsty. But Yeah, um, me too. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but thanks, man. <laughs> Do you know there's still a lot to talk about? Actually. Yeah, I know. I that's, that's the, we'll, that. we'll bring Hugo back. Maybe we'll bring Magnus on. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, we'll let, let Magnus and... Uh, let's coffee let's, next let's time. See if <laughs> we'll both just sit together, maybe. Yeah, we'll bring him on. See if 
<laughs> we'll, we'll practice, see how strong Hugo is, if he can handle a leg kick from Magnus. <laughs> I, uh, Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, uh, kind of to wrap it up, what's, what's next for you? Uh, let's say in the next, like, uh, six months, what are your plans? What do you see yourself doing? Um, um may, maybe uh, on the, the maybe on on the the restoration side of cars, boats, and also with we're, we're Hugo. Doing, we're doing, yeah. So sorry, I'm, I'm intruding there. It's yeah, we're it's doing fine. we're doing the 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 yachts and and revamping yachts and refurbishing yachts and you know rebuilding as well. Um, technical side of boats, um, engines. Um, there's. Know, anything to do with boats and cars at the moment is is, is and us. how could people contact you directly would it just be your instagram should we say to keep it simple facebook Hugo honeyman hunting instagram okay. um email okay, we'll put it there yeah um, email is uh hunting gmail.com um you're gonna get flooded now by our eight viewers yeah Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay we'll put that down so way we'll, too comfortable now yeah we'll put you we'll put your email and and your 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 facebook <laughs> down um and f- and that can be for both both cars and yacht restoration on the island of phuket and i mean and anyone in thailand can reach out to you at, at that level as well and what about for for hugo uh um hugo hub um, where where can they find that? How can people get in contact? Okay, so Hugo Hub is uh, through my wife uh, Kauta, Kauta Kristen Hutting, and then there's Jenna, Jenna Suwanmani. But I think we can keep it. We'll keep it simple. And the Instagram handle at uh, Instagram handle. It's uh, what's it? Hugo Hub Phuket. Something like that. Yeah, right? Hugo Hub at Phuket. Hugo, Hugo Hub Phuket, and that's yeah. in. Uh, it's pretty much. We'll call it. Well, it's Bangtao actually officially then. Yeah. So, southern, yeah. the most southern point of Bangtao. Yeah. Very close to Benny's restaurant. We'll give Benny, Benny's. Yeah. Give Benny's, Benny's a shout out. Benny's there Bar and Grill, amazing yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. Benny's Bar and Grill. It's pretty much right beside there, uh, and right around the corner from Sutai, which was Nando. Was One of the there. best takes of Phuket. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to watch the full video on YouTube. Come visit our channel, Fruiting Body Podcast. We can also be found on Instagram at Fruiting Body Podcast. Please be sure to share and follow this podcast with friends and family. Thank you very much.